Welcome to the Ivy Church podcast. For more podcasts and information about Ivy Church, go to ivychurch.org. Yeah, somebody was saying that they um, didn't know that the collaborative leadership thing wasn't just for Ivy Church people, and uh, somebody had asked them whether they could come to it, and they said, no, you can't. <laughs> um, and now they're going to say, yes, you can. So it, it really is for anybody who wants to, anybody who works with people and wants to get better at doing that, whether or not you're leading at the moment. Tom McGee, he was... Um, U.S. Marines, special forces, you know, kind of top-ranking officer, and uh, then he's become a partner at Ernst and Young, who's been a consultant in leadership. He basically wrote the book on various leadership network events that I've been, which have been part of how we uh, get a vision and make it work on the ground. And one of the things that he talks about is he. Lots of these things, if you go to them, they'll, they'll do a process where you look back at what was, you look now at what is, and you look forward to what will be. Everybody does that. That was his process that he came up with the idea of, which now everybody runs. But when he was here with us earlier in the year, he was saying that actually it's more subtle than that. And there's some people are going to have a viewpoint that they're always looking back. And some people are always going to be looking at what is. Some people are always going to be looking forward. And there's actually six different ways that people will approach something. And so what we need to do in order to do things well is... is listen to those viewpoints and find ways to be able to get the best of everybody and the best thinking to be able to get something to happen and he's an amazing leader so I really encourage you to you know bring people from work who aren't Christians who might come in here and actually realize oh you guys are concerned to do things well you know, with excellence that's that's different you know you, you 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 care about doing things well just so often to have people who aren't anything to do with the church being able to come into a church building like this and go oh this is talking about real world stuff um can be part of their journey of helping them to think differently so uh, yeah i really encourage you to to do that and if it was if you were paying for this as a workplace thing this guy would charge thousands in the US he's charging thousands of pounds to put this on and basically he's coming over at his own cost in order to be able to uh, just make this happen and we're wanting to bless him um, you know but really it's it's um, it's not that we can afford him to come and do this so uh, I really encourage you to, to come and invite other people to it I'm going to start off by reading a little bit around Nehemiah um, and Nehemiah uh, 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 uh. chapter 6 and this just came to me in the worship it was really to set and it sets the tone and uh, the thought behind what we're going to be looking at today which is all to do with uh, testing prophecy the discernment the Bible would call it it talks about there being a gift of discernment of knowing whether or not um, the, the, the spirit behind something and being able to discern we've got to learn to discern and, um, and that isn't a negative thing. We're going to see that that can be a really positive thing to be able to test something. It's like quality control. So in Nehemiah chapter 6, 
I was thinking I'd love to redo. Years ago, we did a series on Nehemiah. We went through that for a long time, and it's just an amazing book uh, of, of the Old Testament of how something gets done and how a change comes to a whole city that's in ruins because somebody hears God, gets a, a sense of being called to step up and to work with others in order to be able to bring restoration and rebuild the walls, and it gets done in record time. But it's not done without opposition. And there's various ways in which the opposition comes. Sometimes it's really obvious and in your face. There's people that are looking to attack and they've got um, shields and swords and bows and that's like obvious attack. So Nehemiah is, is aware of that and ends up at various points in it. He has people who are building the walls with a trowel in one hand and a sword in the other. So we're going to keep on building, but we're also going to keep a lookout and we're going to keep close to one another so that we can watch one another and, and not have anybody you know, getting picked off by the enemy. And he's got all these practical strategies for what he can see. But then there's these other things that are, are kind of unseen. And you know, this is important. When you think about in terms of what we're doing as a church and what we're wanting to do and how you, you know, really we're about building something for God in the city. And uh, you know, you, attacks come in that. And um, some of them are obvious and some of them are less obvious. And uh, as part of the, what, what could seem like, um, you know, not a bad thing, in Nehemiah chapter 6, I haven't got time to read the whole thing, but his, his enemies, some of them get named. He says, now when Sambalat and Tobiah and Geshem the Arab and the rest of our enemies heard that I built the wall and there was no breach left in it, although I'd not at that time set up the, the doors in the gates... They sent to me saying, come and let us meet together at Hakeferim in the plain of Ono. But they intended to do me harm. And it's like, these are some people who are saying, can we just talk about this? Can we just have a nice talk about this thing you're building? And, and just... You know, we've got a nice, and the plain of Ono, if you look into it, it was like, it turns out, it was a place of rest. It was a place where you would be able to go, and it was like this place where people would go and, uh, and have a bit of a holiday. So they're actually saying to him, why don't you come somewhere nice, away from the work that you're doing, and just be nice and talk to us? Because I know that we've had problems in the past. I know there's been a contention between us. And I know it seems like we're against you, but we're not really against you. We just want to talk to you. Can we not just talk? Is that not reasonable? Can we not just talk? And he says, oh, no. To the plane of, oh, no. They intended to do me harm. So I sent messengers to them saying, I am doing a great work and I cannot come down. Why should the work stop while I leave it and come down to you? It's like some people want to bring you down to their level. And he says, I'm not coming down to your level. I'm not going to come down onto that plane and us have some talk about this. They sent to me four times in this same way, because this is relentless. This isn't just a one-off invitation. Four times they come to him and they're like, look, just come and talk to us. Just come and talk to us. And I answered them in the same manner. It's like, reply to email, read the last one. In the same way, Sambalat for the fifth time sent his servant to me with an open letter in his hand. In it was written, it's reported among the nations, and Geshem also says it's true, whoever Geshem is, that you and the Jews intend to rebel. That's why you're building the wall, 
and according to these reports, you wish to become their king. They start to malign his motives. They're saying you're doing this for your own reasons to build yourself up in some way. And you have also set up prophets to proclaim concerning you in Jerusalem. There is a king in Judah. They're saying that's the kind of leader you are. You're all about yourself. And now the king will hear of these reports. So now come and let us take counsel together. It's like we don't want to have to say these bad things about you. But if you don't meet with us and talk about them, we're going to. By the way, we are doing. You notice. They're saying we don't want to say bad things about you while saying bad things about you. Then I said to him, no such things as you say have been done, for you are inventing them out of your own mind. It's like it's just in your head. For they all wanted to frighten us, thinking their hands will drop from the work and it will not be done. See, the attack is not upon you as a leader. The attack is upon the work. It's about what you're doing. That's what matters to the devil, because that's what matters to God. And he wants us to go, ah. What's the point? He wants us to go, oh. And he wants our heads to hang down and us to drop the tools. If he can't have us fight like that, what he'll do is, he'll, if he can't beat us in the fight, he'll get us to drop the sword. He'll get us to drop the towel, just the trowel, because it's just like, it's just not worth it. Why would he even bother? And then he says, but now, oh God, strengthen my hands. That's a great prayer strengthen my hands now you'd think that that was the attack that was over with and that was like they're like trying to do that but then the next thing is there's an attack that comes from false prophets when I went to the house of Shemaiah son of Deleah son of somebody else who was confined to his home this guy's gone into his house he said let's meet together in the house of God let's go to the temple within the temple let's close the doors of the temple for they're coming to kill you they're going to come to kill you by night so this is a man who's who's a priest it would appear because he's got access to be able to come into the temple and he's saying come with me into the temple and then we'll be safe from all these bad enemies that want to do you harm sounds like he cares doesn't it sounds like somebody who's got your back who wants the best for you who's saying you know some people who are after you come with me we'll go into the temple and you'll be safe it sounds caring it sounds good except Nehemiah is not supposed to go into the temple not his job not his role to go into that's the place for priests to go so basically for him to go into that place would be to step outside the realm of authority that God has given him so it's a trap and also God has not given us a spirit of fear so if, if somebody's coming to you and trying to get you in fear about ooh, all the things that could happen and how terrible it would be, you can know that that spirit is not of God. Guaranteed. If it's going to put you in fear, it is not the Holy Spirit. It is another spirit. It's the spirit of fear. So effectively he overplayed his hand because I said, should such a man as I run away? And what man such as I could go into the temple and live? He's saying, that's not my place. I know my place of authority. I'm going to stand in my place of authority, but I'm not going to, out of fear, step into some other place. And I understood that God had not sent him, but he pronounced this prophecy against me because Tobiah and Sambalat had hired him. For this purpose he was hired, that I should be afraid and act in this way and sin, so they could give me a bad name 
and taunt me. Remember Tobiah and Sambala, oh my God, according to these things that they did. And also the prophetess Noadiah. We don't even know who she is. And the rest of the prophets who wanted to make me afraid. It would appear there are some people who say that they are speaking in the name of the Lord who want to make other people afraid. That's a good test as to whether or not it's from God. If somebody comes to you with a word that's meant to put you in fear and confusion. <coughs> you failed the test. And there are tests. And we're going to look at some tests to, tonight. Because the, the testing of a prophecy is really important. And it's a good thing to do. And it's like what we're going to look at tonight is like an alarm system that God has put in place. And alarms, they're usually silent. They just run in the background until something gets triggered and then the alarm goes off. And so we're going to look through various types of alarms that God has put in place, wants to be put in place. And, and so there's, you know, there's different kinds. There's motion sensors to, to, attract, to, to, to stop uh, intruders from coming in. Fire alarms detect flames. Carbon monoxide alarms detect invisible killers. These things are often just in the background, but they protect and we're going to look at some of these, these different things. Because it isn't just what's done that matters. It's the way that's done that matters. Matt, could you get me a drink of water, please? Graham Cook, who is the guy who uh, helped, who, who mentored the guy that we, um, we, at the moment, what we're doing is going through this teaching a couple of pages at a time sometimes and uh, just picking some thoughts out to help us grow in this prophetic but Mark Isles was, uh, was mentored by a guy called Graham Cook he's an incredible prophetic teacher and he says something very interesting about gifts generally how you use your gift is just as important as having a gift in the first place so it isn't just that somebody's got a gift it's what they're doing with it it's the how it's the way in which something is done that really matters how you use your gift is as important is as having it in the first place because somebody could have all kinds of gifts and could be incredibly gifted and talented and that could kind of blind us to the fact that that what they're doing is not actually for our benefit and not going to help us. So, thank you very much. Now, Matt didn't know I was going to do this, but this is a test, thank you very much, because I did it a while ago, thank you very much. In, uh, end of last year, it was Tim Burr. And I said to him, could you get me a glass of water? And then, there's different ways in which a person can go and get a glass of water for somebody. Jesus said, if you go and get a glass of water for one of these servants and give them to them, you, you can't fail to receive a servant's reward. Now, there's a way in which you could go and get the glass of water that could be like, oh, look at me, I'm going to go and get the glass of water. Isn't it? And show off, couldn't you? Yeah? Or you could run in there quick, grab a dirty glass, f fill it to there, and go, oh, there you go. You could go and be like, when I ask you, could you go and get me a glass of water, you could be like, what did your last one die of? <laughs> Who do you think you are asking me for a glass of water? Why should I go and get you a glass of water? I'm just as important as you. You could go around telling everybody. He's the kind of leader who makes people get him glasses of water. Can't even get his own. Too lazy to go and get his own glass of water. Why couldn't he get a glass of water himself? 
don't want to go to that church. I went to that church once. That guy was bossing people around, telling them they all should go and get him glasses of water while he just stood up at the front, poncing about, looking in his purple shirt. Couldn't you? There's various ways. There's a lot in a glass of water. Because how you use it, how you do it, is just as important as what you do. Thank you for a lovely glass of water. Chilled with an extra jar to be able to fill it up. With excellence. Thank you. So, some people, some churches have ended up with prophecy. They're scared of it, so they just don't let it happen. They're just like, people could get it wrong, so we don't want to have prophecy happen. We don't want to be like that. If you start doing that, there's all kinds of other things that you don't do in church. You know, don't ever take an offering because some churches try and just get the money out of people. Don't pray for the sick because some churches manipulate people. Don't pray for the Holy Spirit to come because some people push some people over. There's all kinds of things that out of fear you could stop doing. But God doesn't want us to be in fear. He wants us to be in faith. And so what we want to do, we don't want to... I mean, there's other, other churches, they want to restrict prophecy by ignoring it. Basically, they're like, have, people can get up as they want to and give a prophecy, and it's fine because nobody ever does anything about it anyway. It's just that we kind of expect that person always, because they're like that, says that kind of thing. And we all go, hmm, and then just ignore it. That's another thing. We don't want to do that. We want to value this because if it really is God speaking, we want to hear, don't we? We want to have, an, have that expectation. But at the same time, just because somebody says it's God doesn't mean it is. And we want to be able to learn to discern that. And the key principle for how to do that is very helpfully explained in a very short but specific teaching on how to test prophecy in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 19 to 22, which says, Do not quench the spirit. Do not treat prophecies with contempt, but test them all all hold on to what is good reject every kind of evil let's unpack that do not quench the spirit means don't resist the gift of prophecy don't just say we don't let that happen do not treat prophecies with contempt means don't ignore it but test them all means it seems to me do not accept them all that's bring prophecy. Hold on to what is good. Be selective. Reject every kind of evil. And the evil it's mostly talking about would be manipulation. Anything that brings control, anything that brings domination, anything that brings manipulation. Testing is the way in which we, we examine a prophecy and we can run these tests and, and discern from it what is God saying to us through this. So we're going to look at these different alarms that um, help us to do that. And by the way, the other thing to say is in this, you don't have to rush. Just because somebody gives me a word from God, it doesn't mean I've got to then immediately go and live in Afghanistan or wherever it is. Because they said, there's, there's time. You know, God's not in a rush. If he gives me a word, chances are it's probably be a confirmation word of a bunch of other things too and, and I can take time in order to be able to let it distill and to be able to check it so sometimes people go wrong because they feel like it's disobedient to weigh it up it's not 
We want to test it and make sure it's of God because otherwise some people end up years later because they even out of eagerness to have a word from God. God, I'm going to go to that conference and if that person speaks, I'm going to go and do it, whatever it is. And then somebody speaks and they go and do it. And then years later, they're like, well, God did it all wrong and got it all wrong. It's like, no, 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 you got it all wrong because you didn't test it. You just assumed it. So we're going to look at these alarms. Different six biblical tests that are available for us to use in total. The first type are authenticity types, which are burglar alarms. Just keep that one up there. I'll run through them quickly for people who are writing notes. The second are alignment tests, which are like fire alarms. And the final type are alert tests, which are carbon monoxide. You'll have plenty of time to be able to write that down if you're making notes. Because we're going to go over them a couple of times. Because all these alarms aren't the same. The first tests are authenticity tests which are burglar alarms they're checking for whether or not this is genuine or not and we're going to look at what those what those tests involve and uh, the burglar alarm basically is to watch out for outside interference coming in to make a difference in your life then there's alignment tests which are fire alarms And these are about, what's the, what's the focus of this, of this word? What's it going to do? It warns you that there's danger. And number three is alert tests, which are carbon monoxide alarms. Because that's the really insidious, deceptive, invisible kind of killers and they, you know, they, these things just scan the environment all of the time. And carbon monoxide alarms are looking for something that's invisible but deadly. And they rarely go off. But if they do, you better be ready to take action on those things. Don't just, if it starts beeping, think, oh, that's giving me a headache. <laughs> the reason is going off and you're having a headache are connected so before we go into this again a good distinction that he makes in this material is, is that we need to learn to discern between a bad prophecy and a weak prophecy see it's all about the intention the motivation behind it somebody could have only just got started in all this prophetic stuff and just starting to learn and hear from God in some way and having a go at that and their heart's right but they're not very good at delivering it or it's not quite accurate and kind of but their heart's right and that's all right what's more dangerous than that is bad prophecy when you've got somebody who actually knows how to say it they know how to bring it. They know how to make it look good and holy and religious. But the heart behind it is, isn't right. Maybe it's going to bring you into fear or whatever. So this is what we've got to learn to discern. So there's sometimes somebody can bring a word and it's like, it's just not very good. But they're, they're good. You know? Whereas you've got somebody else who can be really good and really convincing, but they're not good because of what they were looking to do. And again, 
Are they looking to manipulate? Are they looking to dominate? Are they looking to control? So first test, authenticity test, is, is um, he calls it the inner witness. And sometimes it's just like when somebody gives you that word and you, if you've got a bit of a, ooh, not sure, go with that. Because you've got the Holy Spirit inside of you and he wants to speak to you and somebody might give you a word and it kind of, I don't mean it's not a word that you want, you don't want to hear because it isn't like you're going to go to Barbados for three weeks and it's going to, you know, like, oh, oh great, yeah, everybody wants that word. If it, I, don't, or I don't mean it's like the inner witness isn't because it's something you don't want to hear because it sounds like a tough thing. What I mean is there's something about the word and the way in which it's being said that just makes you go, Ooh. see, we can close that down. We can think, yeah, but they seem really nice. Yeah, they do seem really nice. Seems a good word. But just because of that, and I'm not even talking about necessarily that they've got evil intent. But if there's something that you just sort of, it jangles in some way. And some people have got much better gifts of discernment in this kind of thing than other people. And it's something that can grow and develop. I know somebody very close to me who has a high level gift of discernment. And this person actually feels sometimes it's like suspicion and feels like, oh, I must be bad because I don't, I don't, you know what I mean? I feel like, ooh, about stuff. But no, it, you've just got a, your alarm set higher than other people. And it triggers for the house. And there's some people, you know, in the church that actually that's part of your gift to us is to be a discerner and to help warn us and pray and listen and say, hey guys, look out. So, inner witness, really important. Next, second authenticity state is independent confirmation. This is like other things that, that confirm it. You know, you had that, but you also had a dream like that. And you were reading the Bible the other day and there was this passage that spoke like that. And then you went to the grow group and somebody else said something. And then, I don't know, you were driving along and you saw a truck and the words on the side of it said the same thing. It's those kind of things. Because in the Bible often it would talk about that don't believe a word unless it's been confirmed by two or three witnesses. And it's that sometimes that sometimes out of desperation we're just waiting for a word from God. But, but actually again he's not in a rush and he, and he can, if it's him he'll confirm it. He can come along and say, well, there's that and there's that and there's that. You come to a point in a way you get to disobedience if you're going to ignore it. Paul tells Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 19, not to consider an accusation against a leader or an elder that is not confirmed by a few witnesses. Next test, alignment test, is, is this confirmed by agreement with the Bible? I mean, in some ways, you could put this one as the first one. Because if somebody comes to you with a word from God that does not line up with the word of God, it's not God. Does it comply with the Bible? And... And again, not just the word of God, but also the word and the spirit. Because somebody could come to you with a word that's right out of the Bible, but it's also right out of context. And it's right out of time. And it's right out of order. 
Because the spirit and the word are meant to be in agreement. So again, just because somebody says, oh, I've come with a word of prophecy for you, and it's this thing in the middle of Jeremiah that you've never heard of that says that something, it's like, ooh. Well, it is the word of God, but is it, is it the word of God? Is it a now word? And the test for this often is, is the Jesus-centered focus. Does this, the fact is prophecy comes from the same heavenly father that you're meant to be meeting with in your quiet time. So you get to know that voice. You should, you know, Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice. And it's going to be, they should sound, therefore, if somebody brings a word to you, it should sound a bit like the same God that you've been talking to. When you've been just you and him together. And the the Jesus-centered question is basically, is this the kind of thing that Jesus would say? Does it fit with who Jesus is? This is um, because there's a, there's a time in Revelation when uh, an angel is speaking and John the Apostle is so overawed that he falls down, if you remember, to worship the angel. And the angel says, no, don't do that. Like, don't worship me because the right angel is not looking for worship. There's demonic angels that would be very happy to have worship, but the, the God ones say no. They point away from themselves. But then the angel says, the spirit of prophecy bears testimony to Jesus. It's like, it's all about Jesus. It's all about Jesus. So in this test, we're not just looking so much at what is said, but how it's said and why it's said. Is this the heart of Jesus? Is Jesus the center? Next test is alert tests. And these are the carbon monoxide ones because this is looking out for the invisible, the invisible killer. The, the hard to spot. Seems like everything's all right. But whose kingdom is being built? Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God. That's what we've got to be seeking first in everything. Is that going to build the, the, the kingdom of God? Or is this going to give this person more authority? Is this going to give this, this person um, uh, you know, something that's going to promote their agenda or their purpose? We're all right to question those things. We, sh- we should be asking those things. Whose kingdom is being built? And the second alert test is like checking the flavour and like, does, this, does this taste like something that's going to bring freedom? It's for freedom, the Bible says, that, that Christ has set us free. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. There isn't control. Where the spirit of the Lord is, it, there's not a bondage. And so we've got to be careful. Not fearful, but careful. And and just recognize these alarms are there to protect us from harm. See, the good news is, if we will do these kind of tests, 
in our lives. God does want to speak and he does want to speak in all kinds of ways and he does want to speak through all kinds of people to us. And we, we want to be open as a church and as people of God. We want to be open to, to hearing from God from one another. And, and the, the good news is that if we will do the testing, it's a bit like, um, you know, we have these pat test people who come in. I don't know why they're always called pat. But they come in and they test all the electrics. But then after that, it's like, you know, you can use everything. You know, because you've had the test and they've got this, the seal of it. But it's like, yeah, you, you can have confidence. You can plug that thing in. It's going to not burn the place down. So there's benefits to testing. And there are four benefits of testing. And then we're going to worship God. Ready for them? Yeah. First one is clarity. Because you're not going to be not sure whether or not it was a word from God. If it's past the test, you, 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 it can be really clear and not just some fuzzy, fuzzy kind of wondering whether or not. Because you've actually given it some examination, you've given it some, some con- consideration, which is the next one. Again, this is about testing takes time, prayer, leading us back to God. Because in all these kind of ways, the word isn't really what's most important. The most important thing is that in the weighing process, we're going back to the Father. We're going back to Jesus, we're going back to the Holy Spirit. Because he doesn't just want you to have a word and go. He wants you to have a word and come. And, and consider it. And, and pray it through. And that brings peace. And that brings rest. And then you're in a much better place to be able to hear the whole truth of what Jesus wants to say. And having these checks in place against ungodly influences in our lives see if you anybody who travels anywhere these days has got to you get familiar with the fact that you have to go through different checks you go to the airport you can't just say hello I want to get on the plane you're going to have to have various checks along the way and why do they do that because they don't want somebody smuggling something on that's going to destroy everything that's why it's not nasty and horrible and suspicious it's for safety so the checks are there to keep us safer. That's the, the kind of thing that we want to do. And, and, and I was wondering, I'm grateful there's some people turned up tonight um, because about 10 to, I was like thinking, oh, they've got some friends that I met in the last couple of days who came here early and then there was like hardly anybody else here. And I was thinking, oh, maybe I'm off track. Maybe we need to stop doing this prophecy thing. And maybe it's like, you know, we've done that and now I need to pray and say, God, what's next? But actually, I think there's so much more that God wants us to to learn about the word of prophecy. And as we do these things, we're going to see more. And we're going to hear more. And we're going to have confidence that we're going to know more from God too. That actually you're going to feel like, no, I have got a word from God. That isn't just me that I'm delivering it. And that isn't just you that's giving it to me. Because I've run it through these tests and it's a word from God. And therefore it's something that I can start to build something on. And I can have confirmation. And confirmation leads to confidence, doesn't it? You can get enough confirmation that you become confident that it is God. And so then 
you know, we can do something about it because we've run it through these different filters and we're making sure, yeah, this is God's agenda here that is being run out. This isn't just somebody else's agenda or even my agenda. This is a word from God because if, if we're not running it through these tests, we're wide open, especially when we're hungry and in a hard place and desperate for a word from God. Everybody wants, you know, if you're Christian, you want God to speak, don't you? You're like, oh, come on, Lord, I really want you to speak. And and he wants to speak to us, but at the same time, he's given us these things to be able to, to filter it through and to protect us and to be able to help us, to be able to have that confirmation. And, uh, and so we're not going to end up years down the line having misheard, for whatever reason, looking back and thinking, well, I'm so disappointed with God. So disillusioned because God said that and that didn't happen where actually the problem is not that God said that or God didn't say that. So um, I think a lot of this time I just want to finish with by saying so much of prophetic ministry is meant to be about confirmation rather than direction. It's, it's to show you and encourage you that you're, along, you're going along the right path as you're walking on the journey with God and he wants to encourage us yeah you're going the right way you're going the right way rather than direction of this is what you've got to do next and this is what you're going to do now Dennis you may please do I mean, it would make the teaching a lot longer if I was to have given direct, you know, things for each, each, each thing. But yeah, I mean, I'm pretty aware that there's been times when sometimes people will come to me with a, a word. And very often, I, I mean, I'm open, I want to listen to that, but I also want to weigh, is, it, is that you? Is it for you? Is it for us? Is it for now? Is it, is, it, is, it, is it the direction in which we're going as a church? Does it seem like a confirmation of that or is it a complete departure? If we were to look further down the line, where's that heading? What's the spirit behind what you're saying in the way in which you're saying it? And I think those are the kind of things over time... I'm not saying it's a bit. I'm not saying I run through these tests and I've written. You know, I'm basically I'm I'm bringing this teaching from somebody else and trying to. And you're like, all right, well, what's number three? This is more about having a framework in place that I think I've kind of got in here. That over time you start to realise. Yeah, I'm not. Can we put the first scripture up, uh, Matt? The the first one that talks about those those like not despising prophecies, um, but but. Um, yeah, do not quench the spirit, do not treat them with contempt. I don't want to quench the spirit and I don't want to treat prophecies or prophets with contempt or people who say that they've got a word, but I do want to test things well and have a responsibility, and especially as a leader of the church who's responsible for, in various ways, its direction. You know, if somebody says, God's told us, God's told me as a church we're going to go and start a plant in wherever and this person's going to lead it and that's going to happen and all those kind of things I'd be surprised if God had never spoken to me about that you know at all because surely he's a God of order now I can then come and that could become maybe you'd say well God is speaking to you because that person's telling you and I would then go great 
that's like one. That's one. Now we're going to not rush anything, but we're going to wait and we're going to see and we're going to think, all right, well, is that, does that sound like common sense? Does it sound like it is lines up with other words that we've had as a church? Does it sound like the kind of direction that we've been going in as a church? Does this person now want a job by them saying this, etc.? Because maybe they do. And, but there's all, the, I mean, that's an example. There's... You know, there's all kind. That's the kind of thing that in my world would 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 come up. That people would come to me with a word, and it often is a directional word that they're asking me for for the church. And it might not be the same for you, but it, it's like that's the way in which I would be looking to to filter it. But you do get over time sometimes. And the other thing is to see is to actually. I think it's all right for people to say, and I think maybe we should get better at saying, "I think," or "maybe," than "I had a word from God." And God said that because we, if we really value in the word of God and prophecy means we should not take the name of the Lord in vain. And if it's just I think, and I'm a Christian and I can think, and I've got some ideas and I wonder if, I have to be careful not to bolster that with, and I had a dream and this happened and that happened because those things could all be good. But, it doesn't, but sometimes that can become, and I've got to watch it, a subtle form of manipulation that says, well, if you don't agree with me, you're going against what God says and what God's been doing and all those kind of things. And I think it's something as a, as in church life we've just got to be aware of because that does happen and I've seen that happen. And I've also got to watch it in me. You know, I've, got, I've also got to be, be aware of that in me that you know, I have a weighty responsibility every time I get up and preach to be able to come and say and to be able to discern between a, I really believe God told me this or I've got an idea maybe we could try that and to not necessarily give the same weight to those things and to be really clear that if it's God who's saying it then I need to say it, this might seem completely out of left field, but I really believe God's been saying this, 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 and this, and helping other people to be able to do it. So I think it's that's the kind of thing. And also we've talked. I mean, in, in these in previous weeks we have given different examples of of the kind of um, of that kind of thing. And I think it's to also to go back to before we finish because it is a great question. That whole thing about recognizing weak and bad, and and giving people a lot of grace that maybe that's not quite right but but you still love God and I still love God and I can take the I you know I've, I've become a Christian long enough I've been mature enough to get to the point where I can I can take the whole thing chew it up and spit out the bones you know that actually just you know I can go oh yeah well I, I, I think about the dartboard and the motor car and all that kind of stuff I don't really need that but what I get from it is you think God thinks I'm great <laughs> and that he's going to, he's with me and he's for me and I'm going to take that as a great big confirmation and a yes rather than go and buy a dartboard and a motorbike. Do you know what I mean? It's like discerning between what it means that over time, and there is a, there is a verse somewhere, I'd love to be able to find it, that talks about um, who, who, who through maturity have learned to discern. I think there is, a, there is an element in which he's been, you, over time, it, I mean, I, I'm not, it's a bit like a chef, you know, can just kind of go, 
Well, that's not right. Isn't it? It's that. It's like, you know, over time, because they've been cooking this stuff long enough, that somebody can present them with something, and they can go, oh, something wrong with that, take it back. And, it, and it's that, over time, that we're wanting to discern and learning to be able to do that. But, you, you know, it doesn't just happen, and it is over time, and ultimately you've got to taste a few bad ones before you get to know that. Okay? But thanks for the question, that was great. Tina and the band are going to come up and lead us in worship. Should we pray? Dennis, could you come up and lead us in prayer? Would that be all right? Come on, mate. Just could you give him a mic and then just pray for it. Pray this stuff in for us. There you go. Heavenly Father, thank you for your Holy Spirit. Thank you, you've given us a precious gift within us that we can be sure who we follow. We can hear your voice and we've been told um, to honor um, the gift that you've given us and we thank you for that. We thank you for all the gifts in this church. Father, I pray you multiply and uh, continue your work here and thank you, Lord, for what we've been hearing tonight about discerning. Give us understanding. Uh, we've started with the examples of difficulty when people come and they oppose your work. Give this church understanding and discernment and may they grow in understanding. May we grow in our discernment and understanding of you. Thank you that you've been with us tonight. Thank you for this helpful... Uh, yeah, this helpful um, direction and framework and may we understand this more fully as we see it work in our lives in Jesus name thanks for listening for more podcasts go to ivychurch.org media